even just understanding that, oh, I'm someone who prefers introversion and I need a lot of space and quiet and time to myself. And anyone who has parented young kids knows that's really, really hard to come by. And my husband's the same. He prefers introversion also. And so both of us were not getting the time we needed to ourselves and we couldn't lean on each other either because I need time with myself. Can you take the kids? But he needs time with himself and, or to himself. And so to not have the other person to be able to lean on because we both have these needs that can't be met was really difficult. And as we've come through our parenting journey and learned that about ourselves and learned how to build in time for that during the week, during every day, oh gosh, our mental health has improved a ton. Welcome to And Then Everything Changed, a podcast about the pivotal moments in life and the decisions that define us. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Welcome to this episode of And Then Everything Changed. I thought because we are in Valentine's Day week, it would be nice to have an episode about understanding loved ones and better communicating with them. So for the episode today, I've got Sandra Etherington, who works with Myers-Briggs personality tests to help families navigate relationships within the family. She's the owner of Family Personalities, which is a business that aims to help families through the use of personality type. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you, Ronit. I'm really happy to be here. I'm really happy you're here too. I was so excited when I saw that you were using Myers-Briggs personality test to help families. And so can you explain just a little bit about what made you decide to start this business and a little bit about what it is? Yeah. So Ah, gosh, what made me decide to start this business? So I was introduced to Myers-Briggs personality types years and years and years ago when I was in the corporate world. And uh, as soon as I found, discovered my type, I was kind of blown away. I thought, wow, I think that this system understands me more than I understand myself. Um, and it became sort of an, a personal obsession for me. And I was typing everyone in my life, you know, my my significant other who became my husband and my friends and my parents. And uh, I found it helped me in so many aspects of my life. And then when I became a parent and I had children, I naturally just began to wonder, you know, when they were babies, oh, is there, I wonder if I could start to tell their personality type now, like when does their personality type develop? What it's, what is it going to be? Is it going to be the same as me Mm -hmm. and my husband? Is it going to be different? Um, And as they grew and I could tell what their Myers-Briggs personality types were, I began to wonder, is there something I should be doing to cater to their individuality? And uh, eventually I found that, that yes, their children are different from one another. They're different from us. And part of those differences can be explained by Myers-Briggs personality types. Um, And so I went and decided to get the training uh, needed to use it. And I, it helped us so much in our family. I wanted to help other families too. And so I went through all the trainings and, and started it up. So tell me, I've never taken the Mm Myers-Briggs, although I know that a lot of people have, and I know that a lot of jobs, uh, a lot of businesses offer it. I am going to take it. I'm very excited to take it, but for anyone who hasn't done it yet, or who is not as familiar, can you 
talk a little bit about the test itself, including how long it takes to actually do the test. Yeah. So there's a number of like quizzes and tests you can find online all over the place. It's but they're the official Myers-Briggs test that's given, or it's called, they call it an assessment, not a test. Cause you, you know, it's not, Sorry, am, <laughs> there's no right or wrong answer. Am I the one calling it a we test? Don't, we don't want to give anyone, I keep calling it a give test. anyone like a taste anxiety. Yeah. I keep, I like in my head, I decided it was a test and now I keep calling it a test and you're probably like cringing cause it's not a test. <laughs> no, no, no. I still accidentally call it a test all okay. the time. Uh, <laughs> Um, but the assess- the official assessment through the Myers-Briggs Corporation um, is you want to allow, you know, about 30 minutes to take it. You have to take it with a Myers-Briggs um, certified practitioner. It's not something you can access by yourself. But there's lots of quizzes you can take out there if you just want to do it for fun. Mm-hmm. The thing is with the assessments is you have to realize that it's not going to be 100% accurate because of the force, just the nature of an assessment online where you have forced choice questions, Mm -hmm. there's so much gray area. Like if you think if you're answering a question, for example, one of the aspects of Myers-Briggs is whether you prefer introversion or extroversion. Mm -hmm. Um, Think about a question on a test that says, hey, what would you rather do on a Friday night? Would you rather stay in with a book alone? Would you rather go out to a big party with a bunch of people? There's so much gray area in between there, right? Yeah. It's like, well, I don't know. What what have I been doing all day? Am I tired? Right. Am right. I, you know, what what is that week like? Who's gonna be at the party? And so it's you you can't tell someone's personality type for sure through an assessment. Yeah. But it's a fun place to start. The best way to, is to understand all the different aspects of the Myers-Briggs personality. And if you don't have time to do hours and hours of research on that, the best way is to work with a Myers-Briggs practitioner who can walk you through it. Yeah, because I, I think of myself, I think part of the reason I haven't taken it or, well, obviously, because there's that extra step of finding someone to do it, but, um, no, well, now I know someone who does it. Um, but um, <laughs> the other part of it that always makes me kind of um, back away is that I feel like I can be indecisive. And so I feel like I wouldn't maybe mm-hmm. answer accurately for who I am, but that in and of itself might be a, a, a sign of one of my personality traits, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Like that's actually um, information. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's <laughs> definitely information I take in when I'm, when I'm speaking with my clients. So how do Myers-Briggs, how does a Myers-Briggs test actually help companies and help people understand the best way to deal with the people they're dealing with? So in a business aspect, it really helps you understand where other people are coming from. Uh, it can help improve communication. It, when you're tackling a problem, people are going to approach things in different ways. And if you understand the people on your team, the people you're working with, oh, this person's coming from this direction, whereas I'm coming from this direction, it can help you find common ground and talk things out better, work more efficiently together, that sort of thing. And then and then I love bringing that into families because as a family, you're, you're sort of a team also, and we're trying to go through life together. And so understanding, you know, my, my partner, um, my parenting partner, whether it's your spouse or even, you know, your ex or whatever approaches parenting this way, I approach parenting this way. Why do they look at it that way? Why do I look at it that way? And if you can understand that better, you can come together and work together a little more efficiently. 
Right. Um, I had originally thought about, you know, doing this assessment in, in relation to the children, but I can totally see now I hadn't even considered doing it with your significant other, which is very obvious because that's yeah. the person you need to collaborate with the most. Yeah. My favorite is when I get to work with the entire family and everyone understands everyone's personality types and how they all are similar, how they all are different. Where is everyone coming from? Right. And I, I wonder, like, even if you are the only person in a family who wants to do it for yourself to figure out how you operate, I suppose it would be more helpful than not, you know, even if you can't get everyone on board. Is that probably true? Oh, 100%. Starting with yourself is is the, the easiest way to get into it and can provide a lot of insight. And do you think that the main impetus for this is it's understanding and maybe to bridge, but also is it is it helpful to in in avoiding conflicts that get out of hand? Yeah, I think so. It can help with conflicts for sure because you can kind of take a step back and say, "Oh, this." <laughs> you'll start to recognize patterns, you know, like um, with mm. my husband and I, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. Um, but <laughs> one of his when he starts to get a little stressed one of his first things that he does is he starts to get critical. Uh, and I take it very personally. I, I use a function that we call in Myers-Briggs called um, extroverted feeling. And when I when there's a criticism around me, I take it as a insult on my, on my value and my worth. Um, and so that's my first reaction, right? My husband, when he gets stressed, he uses something called extroverted thinking, which is all about efficiency in the environment. And so his first thing is to lean on that and start saying, oh, this, there, we spent too much on groceries. We, this is out of hand. We're not uh, disciplining the children, right? And it, the, his first thing is to start to come out with all those things. And then my first thing is to take that very, very personally and so mm -hmm. I recognize that right away now because I'm so used to it and I understand the dynamics of it. And we've been able to kind of work through that and stop it before it becomes an issue that gets out of hand. So does it almost, would you say it almost kind of puts sort of a rational layer onto whatever is happening? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, if anything, I love being able to apply logic and systems to everyday life and to personality and to interaction. And that's kind of my favorite thing about the personality type models. Yeah. And you came to parenting. I think we had talked a little bit earlier about your own relationship to mothering and parenting. And so did that, can you talk a little bit about your early experience as a mom and how that helped lead you into your, lead you toward your interest into this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a, we had a difficult time, first of all, uh, creating our children, which I know a lot of people have struggles um, becoming pregnant. And for us, we didn't have a problem becoming pregnant, but we had a number of miscarriages. And that really affected me deeply, affected my mental health. And by the time I was able to carry a baby to term, my mental health was already in a bad state. And then, you know, yeah. you bring a baby into the world, a newborn, and you're not sleeping. And my first child was colicky. And then my second child, um, she was actually a pretty easy baby, but because my two and a half year old was so intense, mm -hmm. um, it was, you know, it's just chaotic. Any parent knows how those early yeah. days are chaotic. And to come into that already with my mental health you know, not doing great from the loss and the grief and the anxiety of pregnancy after loss. 
Um, I, with my daughter, who is my second, I went into a deep postpartum depression Hmm. Um, a, a couple of months after I had her. And I didn't realize that postpartum depression isn't something that happens right away always. Sometimes hmm. it can happen, you know, a month after you've had your baby, two months, six months. Um, I think they call it postpartum depression if it happens anytime in the first year. How did you realize that you had it? Well, it's it's interesting because if it sets in later, you miss that screening, you know, you go and you for your six week checkup yeah. and they, they ask you all those questions, but I had, I was fine then. I mean, <laughs> listen, I was, I was not sleeping. I was mm-hmm. stressed, but I was, I hadn't really set into depression then hit me at about two months. And I remember I went to our neighborhood park, um, to meet up with some other moms in the neighborhood who had little kids. And I, you know, gosh, I mean, trying to get the newborn or the two month old and the, and the toddler out the door into the park and I got there and a mom and the moms asked me, Oh, how are you, how are you doing? How's it going? And I just immediately burst into tears Mm. and I, and one of the moms, gosh, I just love her, but she started going on and on and on about postpartum and how she struggled with postpartum depression and this and that. And I was like, why is she talking about postpartum (laughs) depression? I don't have postpartum depression. Um, But then I, I went home after that and I, remember I just was crying for like two days straight. I couldn't stop crying. It was hard to get out of bed in the morning and take care of my children. And I said, oh my gosh, I think she was right. I think I have postpartum Mm -hmm. depression. And so I'm so grateful for that mom Mm -hmm. pointing it out to me. And I went into my doctor um, and I, you know, I I had medication. I went into um, talk therapy. We, made a, a lot of arrangements to how we were handling childcare and support for me. And I was able to come out of the deepest, darkest part of it, which was really scary and unsettling. Just that feeling of, I, I don't know if I can take care of my own children. Mm-hmm. And Had your- that was probably the scariest thing I've ever been through in my life. Hmm. Did you, it was it the kind of a case of where you didn't realize how bad it was until everything kind of came crashing in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was one morning where I woke up and my husband had already left for work and I just thought, I can't do it today. Yeah. And I called him and I said, can you come back? <laughs> because I can't do it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, those early weeks and months are so hard. Yeah. And did he knowing come back? what I, I was not able to come back, but I was able to call my mom and she came down and helped me that day. Yeah. And slowly over the years, you know, it's not, it's not a quick recovery either. Mm-hmm. You go on the medication if, you know, if that's the path you choose and, and that was the path I chose And, um, it takes a little time, but I was able to pull out of that deepest, darkest part within a couple of weeks, but I struggled with my feelings of depression, anxiety, um, for years after I had my children, my son's going to be seven Mm -hmm. next week. And I would say I really, the last year is the first year where I have not had to struggle with depression and anxiety. 
it has definitely been a process. Yeah. Did you, did you have any of those kinds of, um, feelings or struggles prior to becoming a mom or prior to even thinking about being a mom? You know, I think I've always struggled a little bit with generalized anxiety my whole life. And, um, if we, if we're talking personality type and anyone's familiar with the Enneagram model, I'm an Enneagram one, Mm -hmm. which is the perfectionist reformer. And, um, for me, I've always just felt like everything has to be, everything has to match up with my ideal of how things need to be. And I would just throw myself into everything I did trying to make it perfect. Mm -hmm. And as long as I was able to do that and keep control around me and get everything perfect the way I wanted, everything was okay. But as soon as I was thrown into parenthood with the baby and the toddler and I could not meet both of their needs at once, Mm. that was just so difficult for me. And it made my anxiety shoot through the roof and it threw me into depression. And that was one thing that I worked with my therapist a lot on and understanding my Enneagram personality type was a big help in that because I said, listen, I'm a perfectionist and I need to recover. I need to not be a perfectionist anymore because I can't be a perfect parent because that does not exist. Yeah. And when you look back on before your lowest point, before that mom mentioned it to you, do you about the postpartum depression, do you see now that there were other signs and symptoms? Because I know that it it doesn't always present the way people might think it does. And I think it's really Mm -hmm. useful to, to help share that awareness. Yeah. One way that mine really presented that I don't think is talked about a lot is it with anger. I was so quick to anger and I would just feel this, this fury within me that I felt like I couldn't contain um, and just really quick to snap at everything. And that's a common sign of postpartum depression or anxiety that I think can often be missed. And, you know, previously in my life, I was not someone who was quick to anger. Um, And so it was very unusual for me. And I thought, is this just a new thing now that I'm a parent? Do I just get angry all the time? Um, But now that I've come out of it, I realize, no, that's not, that wasn't me. That was the depression. Did your, did your husband in, in hindsight, um, did he seem to notice it or was he, because I think sometimes with the spouses, it's hard because if they point stuff out to us and I'm speaking from personal experience, um, like I know I can get really defensive and sometimes a person who's closest to you can actually be the worst messenger <laughs> because you don't want to hear so much. Yeah, exactly. And so, but sometimes they're also so close to the situation that it's it's hard to know if they have the perspective on your behavior. Yeah, I don't know if my husband saw it before I did, but as soon as I brought it up, you know, he said, "Yeah, I think you're right." And he has, mm-hmm. you know, experience in his family growing up with um, mental health, and so he takes it very, very seriously. And he was uh, so yeah. supportive in in helping me through it. Yeah. And he's gone through his own struggles with parenthood. Both of us have, um, and mental health, and so. It's something that, you know, we've worked on together. Well, I think that um, there's something about these personality assessments that I feel like, I mean, it, it, it seems almost dreamy to me to be able to assess who I am and hopefully everything will flow better mm-hmm. because of it. But I also think that it it almost gives permission for us all to understand the differences between each of us. Yeah, definitely. And um, as far as my personality type and mental health, that was something that was 
definitely helpful in, in find, finding it. I feel like the most helpful thing for my long-term mental health was finding a life structure that really works for who you are and how you operate. And so understanding my Myers-Briggs preferences was really helpful in that. And, you know, not to get too deep into the personality type model for people who are, who aren't already familiar with it, but I'm going to start just with a really pretty easy one that everyone can relate with. And that's introversion versus extroversion. Mm -hmm. Um, even just understanding that I'm someone who prefers introversion and I need a lot of space and quiet and time to myself. And anyone who has parented young kids knows that's really, really hard to come by. And my husband's the same. He prefers introversion also. And so both of us were not getting the time we needed to ourselves and we couldn't lean on each other either because I need time with myself. Can you take the kids? But he needs time with himself and, or to himself. And so to not have the other person to be able to lean on because we both have these needs that can't be met was really difficult. And as we've come through our parenting journey and learned that about ourselves and learned how to build in time for that during the week, during every day, oh gosh, our mental health has improved a ton. And there's lots of other different aspects of our personality types that we've been able to work with now that we understand our needs better. Yeah. And how does it fit in with, let's say therapy, like, you know, assessing a personality, you know, a set of personality traits and going to therapy are, are different, but I feel like what you're telling me makes so much sense and that it could, it can really, really improve relationships if you had a sense of where someone was coming from yeah, a hundred percent. And my husband and I are a little probably on the rare side as we have very, very similar personality types. And so we kind of understand where each other is coming from a little more naturally. Granted, there's other things about us beyond our personalities, right? Your Myers-Briggs personality yeah. is not your whole self. There's the way you were raised. <laughs> Do you <There's>... wish <laughs> Do you wish it were? Oh, it'd be less complicated. <laughs> but I you know, no one wants to be like everyone else. So Right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's you know, I can I can speak about my own parents who had very, very different personality types. Um, and understanding where the other person is coming from and how they're approaching things can definitely help interpersonally. Yeah. And so um when you when you relate to your children, are they familiar with what their types are? Or do you kind of just keep that private to yourself so that you know how to best manage them? Oh gosh, it's definitely helpful to include your children in that. And my son is old enough to understand. He's like I said, he's going to be seven next week. Um, and we've talked through it a little bit, but he's only seven. So there's only yeah. so deep he can go with it. My daughter's not quite there yet. She's four. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I work with families, I definitely like to include the children if they're if they're old enough, um, so that they understand the workings too, the different workings too, and understanding their parents and why their parents are coming at something from a different way. I think can be really helpful them to them too. It's funny because I'm thinking of my own children, and I'm wondering uh, how much they could keep in mind when they're in their own, you know, teenage state you know, I'm wondering how much, how much they can, (laughs) because I mean, I've seen very varying levels of self-control and understanding in them. And I'm impressed that your children can keep in mind any of that. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't think, you know, my, my son is to the point where he can be like, Oh, mom's upset about this because of this part of her personality type. So I'm just going to let it, you know, I'm just going to brush it off. He's not there yet. He doesn't (laughs) have that maturity, but understanding himself and his own needs is really helpful. You know, we've talked about, and just to go back to introversion, extroversion, because it's the most easily accessible part of the personality type model. Um, he understands about himself that he has a warm up time in the morning. He's not ready when he goes into school to just jump into talking and playing with his friends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've taught him a phrase to say, Oh, I'm not ready yet. I'll be ready in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And he knows that he can say that to anyone if they're getting in his space too much. Cause he used to have so much anxiety in the mornings um, when the teachers would be like, hi, Riker, how was your day? What do you want to do? And then his, his friends are like, Riker, Riker, Riker. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so overwhelming for him and he would get so much anxiety about going into class. And now, you know, he's sort of together. We've helped te- teach everyone around him that he needs a little time. He needs a little space. And then 10, 15, 20 minutes, all, he's ready and he's in it and he can play with yeah, his friends I and talk. I am connecting and- with that so much for, for myself personally and also some people in my family. Um, I that's amazing because if you don't know that, then the anxiety can really ramp up, especially for children. Mm -hmm. You know, if they, if you don't know what, what they need, I mean, it sounds obvious, obviously we want to take care of our children and meet their needs, but I think parents are, I mean, I'm confused enough by myself and and my (laughs) partner sometimes, even though I've known myself a really long time that of course I might be confused by a child of mine that has completely new sets of traits. Yeah. A lot of times we try and parent, well, there's sort of two different approaches. I feel like when you go into parenthood, you either parent the way your parents parented because that's what's familiar to you and you turned out great. So why not? Or (laughs) you parent the way that you wished your parents had parented and you're taking the perspective of what did I need that I didn't get? Which way, Mm -hmm. what way do I wish I had been parented? And that's sort of the way I had started approaching it. But then I quickly realized my children are very different from me. They're very different children than I was growing up, and they have very different needs. And understanding those needs at a deeper level can really help you cater to what they need rather than what you needed when you were a child. Um, And there's an exercise that I do when I do um, sort of in-person workshops where I give, I ask for volunteers and I give each volunteer a different plant. So one might have a succulent, one might have a rose bush, um, and the other might have a pine tree. And I, you know, I assign a plant to each person. And then I ask, would you, if you were able to pick, would you trade with anyone? And generally there's a couple of people who raise their hand, right? Like, oh, I, you know, I'd rather have the succulent because I don't want to have to water it too often. Or, oh, I'd rather have the pine tree because I want it to grow big and strong. Um, and I draw that parallel to our children. And as much as it's sort of uh, maybe an ugly thing to admit, there's things about our children that we wish we could change, right? Like it might be really hard for an extroverted, out there, outgoing, friendly parent to have a child who holds back, doesn't want to go into the activity, doesn't want to go into school. It doesn't have those natural social niceties. Um, and then I ask, okay, with your plants, if you have, um, a rose bush, 
but you wish you had a succulent, what happens if you treat your rose bush like a succulent? Does it turn into a succulent? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see that coming. (laughs) I mean, what happens if you're not watering it frequently enough? Um, You give it the wrong kind of sunlight. You know, I don't know a lot about plants. I don't know what everything needs, but (laughs) it's probably going to be stunted, right? It's not going to grow the way you wanted it to. Um, But if you treat your rose bush like a rose bush, then it can grow into these really beautiful blooms. And it might be not be what you imagined, but it can be a really beautiful version of itself. And that's how I like to think of our children. There might be a, something we have in mind for them. We want them to be really athletic or we want them to be really academically inclined. Um, but they might have their own talent or strength that we're missing because we're trying to feed this other one that is not them. And Mm -hmm. so if we can really hone in on who they are and what they need and who they're going to be when they grow up, then we can really give them more of what they need, whether, you know, with the plants, it's a little more straightforward. It's water, sunlight, whatever. (laughs) And luckily our children are very resilient um, and they're going to be okay no matter what. But if we can give them more of what they need, they can grow into the best version of themselves and the happiest version of themselves that they can be. I, I think when you're talking, I I immediately started wondering about using that same analogy for ourselves and for our partners because it's easy not to offer that generosity to ourselves sometimes and to our partners mm-hmm. when you know there's stuff going on in a relationship. But what an interesting thought, you know, or something to hold on to that, you know, what, what, how should you be watering or taking care of yourself? Why should you push yourself Mm -hmm. into certain situations or, or whatever it might be that don't actually suit you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It can really help understand self-care and and what you need to. And also to offer, I think that generosity that you would offer to your kids, to a partner, I think is actually could be very helpful too, to a relationship. Yeah, trying to it can really help you clue into um, compassion for someone, right? And how they're experiencing things. Is it is it challenging for you at all to if you witness a family or you know parents in particular not taking this into consideration with children? And I don't mean the full extent of the assessment, you know, the Meyer Briggs assessment. That's not what I mean. I mean like just in broader strokes, watching a family relate to their child in a way that you can see is not fitting with that child's needs. Yeah, for sure. And I think that all of us do it to some extent, even me completely understanding what my children need. I I still get aggravated. Like, why are you doing it this way (laughs) (laughs) with my son? Um, There's, there's one preference pair in the Myers-Briggs that's thinking or feeling. My son uses thinking, I use feeling. Um, And it, gosh, I just really want him to take other people's feelings into consideration and think about the words that he's using and how they're affecting people. And it's just not his natural talent. And that doesn't mean that he's allowed to go around being, you know, I haven't asked you for allowed to cuss on this podcast. No, uh, I don't know. I can always bleep it out. So go ahead. He's, he's not allowed to go around being an <laughs> to everyone, but, <laughs> but just having a little compassion for the fact that that's not how his brain functions. It's not his first instinct. It's not, it doesn't come naturally to him to understand how other people are going to feel about what he does and to cater to that. 
Um, and I can turn around and I can use logic to appeal to him to say, oh, you know, you said this and that makes this person feel this way. And that's why we shouldn't do it. And he's actually, a, he likes rules and understanding rules and the why of rules. Mm-hmm. So when I give him a logical rule to follow, then he can do it. But to automatically think about what he's saying and how it's going to affect someone, that's just not him. And sometimes, even though I know, even though I understand, I'll be like, but why would you say that to your sister? And I'm really (laughs) upset about it. And so it's just natural in all of us. And I have an understanding and a compassion for that um, in how parents are parenting. And, you know, um, it's a journey that I've gone through thinking about my own childhood um, and how you know, my parents wanted me to be a certain way. And they, there were certain things about me that they wished were different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a journey that I've gone through too, in, in understanding where they were coming from and forgiving them. You know, I mean, I didn't come from an abusive family or anything like that. My parents gave me so much. They're the most amazing, loving parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had certain ways, you know, they didn't like how sensitive I was. And that was, I, I, heard the message a lot that my sensitivity was not okay. Mm -hmm. And that was hard. And it was something I learned as an adult um, that my sensitivity is actually a strength. That's actually a superpower. It gives me great empathy for other people. It gives me an ability to read and understand other people and what they need. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's one of my favorite things about myself. And if we can give our children that awareness of their own strengths and see their weaknesses for the flip side, for the, for their superpowers, what an amazing gift we can give them. Yes. Do you find that your parents are, I don't know, do, do they enjoy the work that you're doing? Do they, do they, what are their opinions about it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> my mom loves it. She finds it really interesting. I mean, she doesn't go down into the details, but, um, she finds it really interesting and fascinating and she loves it. My dad understands (laughs) it a little bit less, but he's supportive. He actually, um, my dad's a web programmer. He helps me with my website and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he definitely is not the self-reflective type for anyone who's familiar with personality type. He's, uh, an Enneagram (laughs) eight, not into, um, vulnerability and (laughs) self-reflection and that sort of thing. Um, but just he's supportive as a parent is supportive, you know. That's so interesting too, because if you know someone is not a reflective person, if they're not into vulnerability, then in a way, like I could see how it could help you, um, not take it personally when they don't respond to you the way that you might want them to. Oh, totally. That's something that, right? yeah, the under, understanding other people and not taking their stuff personally, that's definitely big. Yeah. I, I just see so much, so much benefit in, in this type of approach to parenting and relationships. Are there other um, people you know who are using this in the personal sphere the way you are? Um, no, it's not really big. Myers-Briggs is really found most in business or in personal growth. Um, often I see it used, which is one of my favorite uses, um, in helping teenagers or young adults pick a career, pick a major, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing, understanding. And, and it's not meant to box you in. It's not like certain personality, personality types can only do certain careers well. Um, it's more yeah. to find what's going to make you happiest, what's going to fill your bucket rather than empty it and choosing a career path that's in line with that. Um, yeah. But in the family, 
space, I, I don't see much at all out there. And so it's not something that people are really aware of or using. And I really just want to bring more awareness to it because I think it can be so powerful for everyone. Well, I do too. I hadn't considered it at all until I found you and the work that you're doing. And I, I do think it can be super powerful. And um, that's part of the reason I decided I want to run this for Valentine's Day week, because for me, this episode is so much about relationships and trying to make things better between people. And I think that that's what your service offers, actually. Yeah, I'm really glad that you're going to bring it to your listeners. Yeah. So where can people find you? Where are listeners best going to learn about you and your services and all that? Yeah. The best place to follow me, if you just want to see a little bit more about personality type, understand a little bit in your kids, maybe uh, figure out some of your own preferences. Um, I do a lot of posting on Instagram. My handle is family personalities. If you're interested in my services and you want to read more about them or um, have an intro consult with me, which is free, my website is www.familypersonalities.com. You can email me, Sandra, that's S-A-N-D-R-A at familypersonalities.com. Ask any questions you want. Um, and then also that's I'm great. going to be starting a podcast with a friend in the spring, probably. And we're going to talk about personality type. We're going to talk about parenting. It's going to be really casual. We're not going to get deep into it. Um, mm -hmm. And if you're interested in that, you can go to familypersonalities.com slash podcast and put your email in and I will send you a notification when our first episode launches. That's exciting. I'm going to definitely do that. I'm really um, excited about that one. <laughs> Yes. And, and you, do you do sessions and consultations and, um, assessments with people who don't live near you? How does that work? I do almost all my work is remote and I do it generally over Skype, but I can find okay. different platforms if people don't use Skype for whatever reason. Well, that is very exciting. Um, Thank you so much, Sandra. I'm really excited about your your work and what you're doing. And also, even some of what you said today can can I can use right away in my own family. So yes. I hope that listeners do too. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to And Then Everything Changed. For more information on this episode, photos, community discussion, and other episodes, please visit atecpodcast.com. You can also find And Then Everything Changed on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.